Chris McKee, who's joining me now to talk about Duke's visit to Canada. McKee, what's going on this morning, brother? Talk about a complete sellout to go from the Wu Tang Clan and hip hop to working for Golf Talk Canada. That's, you know? that's it. You, uh, you, you know, the man, the man was putting you down, and you just crossed over. Is what happened. That's what Absolutely. happened there. You just like yeah. unbelievable. So, okay, Duke is in town, and for someone like myself who is not a huge basketball <laughs> fan that doesn't get into it deep, that is more of like, okay, I'll check the headlines. I'll, I'll figure out what's going on with the headlines. When we get the Final Four time, I'll watch some college hoops. When we get to the NBA playoffs, I'll watch some professional basketball. This, these headlines about R.J. Barrett, Canada's own, suggesting that he could be the greatest Canadian basketball player of all time. He might be there already. For a guy like me, I'm scratching my head going, Really? Steve Nash. It's not like we haven't produced some quality basketball players. How good is this guy? Are they on side with these comments? Well, I think it's a little premature to call him the greatest ever. I, I did hear you mentioning off the top of, you know, about Steve Nash. So Steve Nash is obviously RJ's godfather. Uh, RJ's father, Rowan, uh, who worked, who's an uh, executive vice president of basketball Canada, played for the Canadian national team in the 2000 Olympics in Sydney with Steve Nash. Uh, and so Steve and uh, RJ's dad won't have a good relationship. So I, I don't even think Steve would be insulted, you know, with the comparison. But but RJ is really good. Uh, I've had a chance to track him over the past year when he was the number one rated recruit, uh, not just in Canada, in the United States, and you know ESPN featuring him. But uh, he's long, lean, athletic. I had a chance to see him up close a few times, uh, specifically a few weeks ago when he was playing for the Canadian men's national team alongside of the NBAers like Kelly Olynyk, Corey Joseph, uh, Dylan Brooks, and he looked the part. Even though he was 17, uh, you know, at the time, physically he looks the part. He's got all the tools. He's a two-handed player. He's explosive, athletic. He's all of it. Now, the greatest ever. Uh, you know, let's pump the brakes on that. But to me, there is no doubt he will be the number one pick in next year's NBA draft. And he's surrounded by, uh, from what I understand, a real great group of young talent at Duke as well. They have very high hopes, obviously, in the next, you know, say, 12 months in the in the Duke program, no? Yeah, so Coach K, obviously the legendary coach, Mike Chizewski, um, he has... It's the number one rated recruiting class. Not only do they have RJ, who's the number one rated recruit, they also recruited Zion Williamson, who's the number two recruit, Cam Reddish, who's the number three recruit, and then Trey Jones, who was 10th overall. So they've got, you know, four guys in the top 10. Uh, those four freshmen are expected to start. Both Cam Reddish and Trey Jones aren't playing, uh, on this Canadian tour. They're dealing with minor injuries. I've seen them walking around. They've been shooting around, but I think Coach K is just, you know, being a little precautious with it, but, I mean, they are as good as advertised. Uh, you know, some have compared them to Michigan's Fab Five going back in the day, you know, with Chris Weber, Jalen Rose, Jawan Howard, and that group. You know, RJ himself this week said that he felt this version of Duke could beat that Michigan's Fab Five, which I think is it's a little silly, but they are pretty good. Uh, they're freakishly athletic. You know, RJ's been talked about ad nauseum. Uh, in Canada over the past couple weeks, especially this week, but Zion Williamson, seeing him up close, this is a guy that, you know, in the U.S., a lot more interest surrounding him because, you know, he's a kid out of South Carolina. He's racked up, you know, millions and millions of views on YouTube for his dunks, and to see that athleticism, and it's it's like, uh, it's almost violent the way he plays. He's so aggressive. To see that up close out at the Paramount Five, uh, Five Food Center on Wednesday was really something special. 
Uh, you know, something else that's kind of special about this, too, uh, not just the talent we're seeing in some of these re- remarkable young phenoms, is the spotlight that it's putting on OUA basketball. Like, normally we would not be talking about this on TSN. Normally we would not have, you know, full national TV coverage on TSN of, of these games. But Duke is actually coming here giving a huge opportunity to, you know, programs like Ryerson. U of T will get their kick tonight. How big of an opportunity is this for OUA and to show uh, some of the talent here north of the border that maybe is underrated? Would that be fair? Uh, absolutely. You know, a lot of these guys in Canada, you know, it, obviously 99% of them wish they could have gone south of the border. But the level of basketball here in Canada it has grown exponentially. I spoke with Ryerson head coach Roy Rana after Wednesday's game, and, you know, he didn't care that his team got thumped. You know, he called it a celebration for his program. I mean, when does Ryerson get to be on ESPN nationally and having, you know, Dan Schulman and Jay Billis call their game as well. You know, Ryerson is a legit program. They made it to the national championship last year. Uh, lost to the Calgary Dinos by two points and, you know, we're just a few seconds away from winning the title. They knocked off Carleton University, which is the benchmark for, you know, as good as it gets in Canada. Carleton has played, has won eight straight games against American University opponents. These American teams come up. They're allowed a foreign tour every four years. So a lot of them come up to Canada. Come, It's a lot cheaper and quicker flights instead of going to Europe. And the level of competition is amazing. But Carleton up in Ottawa has just been thumping, uh, you know, any American team that, can, that comes through. I saw them two summers ago against Wichita State, which has been a top 25 program, NCAA March Madness team. Uh, they handed to them pretty handily. They beat Ole Miss this past week, which is a pretty good squad. Cincinnati made it to this. They were a number two seed going to the NCAA, uh, NCAA tournament last year. And Carlton handled to him, uh, handled to him pretty good this week. So basketball up here, you know, has grown uh, at a you know a, an exponential, lightning quick rate, and uh, just an opportunity to showcase that for UFC and Ryerson this week. We're with Chris McKee. You can follow him on Twitter at Mr. McKee. That's at Mr. McKee, and he's covering the Duke Tour of Canada for the OUA as well as SB Nation south of the border. McKee, before we switch gears here and uh, leave basketball, what's a win then tonight for the University of Toronto? What's a challenge? Keeping this within 20 points, is that is that a win? Uh, yeah. What's respectable tonight, I guess is my question. Well, I, you know, Ryerson was able to keep it within 20, and that, that's a significantly better team. You know, U of T, I believe, was a 14-win team last year. They did get to the playoffs, but, you know, they're a middle-of-the-pack OUA squad. Um, and so, you know, the win is them showing up and, and getting the lineup against Duke and, um, you, you know, just getting that opportunity. I, I would imagine the score would be a lot larger than 20 tonight. All right, so a lot larger than 20 is the prediction this evening. But again, regardless, a a lot of airtime and a lot of publicity and a good opportunity for all Canadian basketball. Now, leaving that now, I teased off the top of the interview that you tour in a former life with the Wu-Tang Clan. People are going like, okay, how does this this guy go from Wu-Tang Clan to Golf.Canada to covering college basketball on both sides of the border? But uh, at the end of the day, you're a great writer. 
and great writers write about experiences, write about what they know. It doesn't necessarily have to be, you know, the same thing. You're, you're writing from, from the heart, from memory, etc. And that was a former life for you, and you've got a book out now about, the, about those experiences. So, you know, g- give us a plug here. Plug the book. What's the name of the book? Where can we get it? And, and give us a teaser on the book, because that band, you know me, I'm a rock fan. I'm not a Wu-Tang f- fan. Yeah. But the stories of those guys on the road, is to me, regardless if you're into the music or not, it, it, the lifestyle is legendary. So I was an award-winning music agent and concert promoter for uh, 20 years. I worked for the biggest music agency in Canada for a few years, going back to the early 2000s, and then started my own agency after. And so I've put together concert tours for dozens of like Grammy and Juno winners, everyone from Rihanna, the Black Eyed Peas, the Roots. I've booked concerts for the... You know, the usual Canadian classic rock guys, everyone from Matt Good, the Tea Party, Sloan. But the one group that I found that everybody was always intrigued by that I worked with was the Wu-Tang Clan. So for over a decade, I produced concert tours across Canada for various members of the Wu-Tang Clan, got to go on the road with them. And so I decided to put together a collection of stories of, you know, what it's like to be on the road with the Wu-Tang Clan. You know, it's sex, drugs, rock and roll, uh, even murder. Um, you know, there's there's elements of that. One of the promoters who was doing uh, the show in Montreal, um, an old friend of mine named Matt Gardner Dutch, uh, he was murdered two weeks before the show. Now, obviously, nothing to do with the Wu-Tang Clan. <laughs> but, uh, you know, this it's all that's all part of, you know, what, what the life is with hip-hop. And it's, it's not... You know, um, it's not far removed from that. So the book is officially out today, August 17th. You can find it on Amazon, Amazon.ca here in Canada, Amazon.com if you're in the U.S. I didn't know today was the official uh, launch day. I, I had no idea. Now, what, what's the title yeah. again, Chris? Life on the Life on the Road with the Wu-Tang Clan. There's various stories. Uh, you know, one of the stories I tell is that being on the road with Ghostface Killer the first night of the tour, Ghostface sits me down, and, you know, we've been on the, the phone for months on end, and he sits me down and says, hey, listen, let's have breakfast the first night after the show, and let's go over some of the details of how I want the rest of this tour to unfold. So we're sitting in a swanky hotel in, in Montreal uh, having lunch, sorry, having brunch, and uh, he says to me, Chris, everything's been great with the tour. Uh, money's been good. Shows, shows everything's looking really good, but I have a problem with the hotel we're in. And I said, well, go. It's a five-star hotel. What's the problem? He says, well, all the TV channels are in French. I can't take it. I was trying to relax after the show last night, watch some TV, and every channel's in French. So for the rest of the tour, can you put me in any hotels that don't have French TVs? I can't take it. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm looking at him going, this is, a guy, Mark, this is a guy that has traveled the world over as a member of the Wu-Tang Clan. They've been to Asia, South America, all over Europe, and he hasn't figured out that whatever country you're in, if they speak French or Dutch, that's what the TV channels are going to be at. <laughs> well, okay, we'll hit it up on uh, Amazon. And before I let you go, McKee, I, I got to get your uh, take on this because, you know, we'll go G- GTC radio in the morning. I just had Weeksy on and uh, to talk a little FedEx Cup because Canadians are making a push. Yep. But our Twitter poll question this week, because everybody's going Tiger nuts because of his performance in the last two majors, and especially Sunday uh, at the PGA Championship, you know, running through the finish line, really, I think, for the first time this year. Obviously, he didn't win, but maybe for the first time this year, he didn't beat himself when he had a chance to win. I think that's important. So the Twitter poll question is, between now and Augusta next year, between now and the Masters in April, how many times will Tiger Woods win a professional golf tournament. So this could be on any tour. If he goes and plays European tour, etc. Yeah. Hey, one win between now and Augusta, 
two or more wins between now and Augusta or no wins between now and Augusta? Well, I'm going to say one. Here's why. I was glued to my television set all week watching that run, him trying to chase chase down Brooks Kepka, and it was inspiring. I mean, you know, I know you mentioned it earlier, 69% increase, but just the way he's playing, the momentum, he looked like the old Tiger, um, and, and having that fan support behind him, is that's got to will him to at least one. Now, one of the things, though, once he gets that win, I think there's going to be an inevitable drop-off where that pressure's gone, he's going to play relaxed, and I think you'll see that one win, and then you'll see a series of top tens where he's competitive again. But I think, you know, it's getting to that mountaintop, and then he'll he'll sort of settle down and just become complacent with that. That's going to be interesting to see. And we don't know how he's going to react to this because there's a bunch of different theories. I've heard people say that, that once he gets the win, he'll lay down, and other guys say the floodgates will open. And I think the interesting about it is it's almost like he's trying to win for the first time again. And when players win for the first time, they do react different ways. You see guys in majors, they win their first major, you know, like a Darren Clark, and he's never heard from again. He just goes and parties and celebrates it the rest of his life. And then other guys win their first major and then kind of trampoline that into something. So... You know what? Here's the good news. As long as we're talking Tiger, it means golf's healthy. Let's just hope we can do it for a few more years. So, Well, let's, let's look at Sergio, actually. You know, you're, you're doppelganger. That yeah. Everyone recognizes you. But, you know, he wins that Masters last year, and he hasn't been heard of since. Right. This is Sergio Garcia. This isn't Darren Clark. This is Sergio Garcia. Missing in action. Yeah. He's uh, joined the Witness Protection Program. It's unreal. Yeah. They can't find that guy. So the game's tonight. Enjoy it, McKee. Uh, University of Toronto against Duke uh, basketball. Uh, game two of their Canadian uh, tour. And uh, I know you'll be all over that. So enjoy the game and uh, enjoy the rest of Duke's uh, tour to Canada. And I'll talk to you uh, on the weekend for GTC. All right. Thanks, Mark. Much appreciated. Chris McKee at Mr. McKee uh, all over NCAA basketball and OUA basketball this week as Duke uh, really visits Canada for the first time, which is uh, pretty amazing. Again, uh, how often would we be talking about Ryerson and University of Toronto basketball at any time?